In this edition of Locked On Capitals, I am joined by Josh Neighbors as we talk about what is the future with Juan Soto. Is he going to remain on this team or are the Nationals going to move him before the deadline? Then later in the show, we will talk about the Washington Capitals and what is the outlook for this team? Macrilly was swung for the fences and made some big acquisitions. How will they fit into this team? Let's talk about that next on this edition of Locked On Capitals. Locked On Capitals, your daily podcast on the Washington Capitals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello and welcome into this edition of Locked On Capitals. I'm so glad you decided to join me today. As always, this podcast is free and available on all the major platforms. And I want to thank you for making this your first listen or view of the day. Yes, this podcast is also available in video form. So head on over to YouTube and check it out. And when you're on YouTube, make sure and hit that subscribe button. And if you like the videos, hit the thumbs up button. It really helps grow the channel. My name is Dan Holmey. You can find me on Twitter. It's at DanCaps218. You can find the show on Twitter. It's at LockedOnCaps. So like I talked about off the top there, in this edition, I am joined by Josh Neighbors of Locked On Nationals as we talk a little bit about the Nationals, Juan Soto, and the outlook for this Capitals team. We'll talk about that next. All right, welcome into this special DC crossover edition of Locked On Capitals and Locked On Nationals. My name is Dan Holmey. You can find me on Twitter. It's at DanCaps218. You can find the show on Twitter. It's at Locked On Caps. And like I mentioned, I am joined by Josh Neighbors of Locked On Nationals. Josh White, where can we find your show? You guys can find the show at LO underscore nationals on Twitter. You guys can find me at Josh neighbors underscore. You guys can find us wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube as well. So the big news uh, all across baseball is the Juan Soto situation. Um, There's a lot of rumors reporting out there that he's going to get traded before August 2nd. What is the latest that you've heard on Juan Soto? Yeah. So actually watching the, the Mets and, uh, the Yankees tonight, Buster only part of the broadcast said uh, the latest is that the Nationals have multiple offers in hands in hand from different teams, uh, which is to be expected. Right, we right now recording this uh, late Wednesday night, and the trade deadline is August second, so uh, Tuesday next Tuesday. Um, and so the the Nationals at this point, you'd expect to have those offers in hand. They're mulling them over. Um, the latest news on kind of all the different fronts is today, Mike Rizzo did his you know normal appearance on the Junkies radio, and he said that they would not pair Patrick Corbin in the deal. So there's no diminishing the trade package, which a lot of Nats fans are happy about, with Patrick Corbin there. And then also it sounds like the one big hang-up also is that Scott Boris believes the Max Scherzer contract, which is – three years, $43 million a year with the New York Mets is relevant to the Juan Soto conversation for what he might get. Now, your idea of what that means for relevance might matter to you know different people. I have my own 
ideas of how it is relevant uh, and kind of how it is relevant. So that's kind of where we're at. The Nats have offers. There's no Patrick Corbin involved. Obviously, the team is still up for sale. And there are some differences between the, the Nats brass and Scott Boris. That's kind of at a glance where we are. So I was reading uh, up on this a little bit on the whole Juan Soto situation, and it seems like some of the front runners um, are the San Diego Padres um, and the New York Yankees. But uh, it seems to me that um, the Yankees and the Padres don't really want to give up what the uh, Washington Nationals are looking for. Um, if there is a front runner out there, who do you perceive to be uh, the winner or the front runner for the Juan uh, Soto sweepstakes, if you will? Well, I think th- I think who can offer the best deal is the San Diego Padres. Now, that might have taken a hit. One of their best uh, kind of uh, guys in the trade would be pitcher Mackenzie Gore, who got injured the other night. So there, there's a little wrinkle in that, uh, you know, going on right now. Also, the St. Louis Cardinals are expected to be a big contender. Could be with all the guys they have in their farm system plus a lot of the really good young players that they have. So those are two teams to watch out for um, that I think kind of can put together the best package. Obviously, teams like the Dodgers are going to be listed. They're going to be talked about. They're going to be thrown in there because of how good they are and how you know decent their farm system has been as of late. Uh, so those are kind of the teams that you're hearing about. You know, the Yankees are there. They're involved. I'm not hearing too much about them recently. I think the two big ones you're hearing are the Mar- or the three big ones. Mariners, you're hearing about, which is crazy to think. The, Mar- the Mariners are involved in this. The Mariners, the Cardinals, the uh, and um, Padres are the ones who could offer ostensibly the, the best package. Does not mean that's where he is going to go. Yeah, and it's an interesting situation. You know, I can see both sides of the coin here. So one side of the coin is is the Washington Nationals do not want to lose Juan Soto. Uh, this is a team that is kind of lacking an identity, if you will. And then they talk about possibly moving on from Josh Bell. So if you subtract those two players, I know you still got Strasburg and a lot of these guys that have been on the team for a while, but suffice to say that Juan Soto is the franchise player. I'm going to go ahead and say that. So the other side of that coin is, is that one player cannot do it all. He, you know, Juan Soto cannot go out there and pitch. He cannot do everything. And the one article I read, they said, the counter, of course, can be found in the American League West. The Angels employ Mike Trout and Otani and reside 14 games under 500. So there's another example of a team that went all in on, you know, Mike Trout and some of their top players. But it was two players and two players aren't going to, you know, they're not going to win all the games for you. Where do you weigh on this? I know I spoke with you about a month or so ago about this and, and your thought on it, and I think it's still the same. I do listen to your podcast, is that the, the greatest value for the Nationals is to have Soto on the team and that they control his rights. Um, is that still your school of thought? Yes. So so as, as a business entity, I believe that's true. Now, Dan, the one thing to understand is, you know, the, the, I've heard several different theories on this. So there's the one that I mentioned to you. That look, if you're gonna sell the team, the the most um, kind of business friendly way to look at it is that he is a good asset and makes a team more valuable. There's number one. Uh, there's number two, where you say, well, if you're selling it to somebody else, let them make the decision. You know, leave the asset part out of it. 
just him as a commodity should be made. That, that choice should be made by the next ownership. Give them a shot, right? Let them make the call, which I also subscribe to as well. Or there's three, which I don't necessarily agree with, but I understand why. Hey, maybe you give the next ownership group a clean slate and a really nice prospect group to deal with, right? I mean, Josiah Gray and Kbert Ruiz are up now. Luis Garcia is up now, and he's done very well. Those are three guys who are up there now. But besides Jackson Rutledge, uh, Jackson Rutledge pitcher, and also Cade Cavalli, Cole Henry, I mean, there's really not a whole lot in this Nationals farm system that is getting people excited. So what you could do is you could wipe the slate clean in terms of decisions to be made, right? I mean, there's Corbin, who's going to just play out his contract, we believe, and then Strasburg is going to be a decision. That's going to be his decision. You know, do I think he finishes out his contract? Dan, I'd probably say no. Um, I, I think his baseball career might not be, might not be, it might not be long, right? We're we're kind of at a point now where he's getting injuries that are hard to come back from and complications from surgery. So we'll we'll still see. But like, he and Corbin are on the books. They're on the books. They're on the books, right? It's that's that's going to have to be you know left there. But all decisions that you could make as an ownership group would basically be cleared out if you trade Soto and they trade Bell and they trade, you know, all the other guys, right? Because nobody's on an extended deal. So there is the clearing the deck theory about this too. I understand all, I understand all sides of this. I still think that if they trade Soto, whoever the suitor is has signed off on it. Right. right. I, I don't think you're trading him if, if some ownership group who is serious. And, and I think at this point, all they have is serious offers about buying the team. I don't think you're doing this, you know, without that kind of consent. You know, be, I don't think, hey, Dan, I'm negotiating to sell you this, this product. And then I, I sell Soto and say, by the way, Dan, just sold Soto. You still is interested, right? Obviously, the, the, those people, you know, Still want to be just as, um, just as involved, so uh, you know, somewhat involved in a biased team. So I think they wait because, to me, he doesn't lose much value if you wait till the summer. So I think you know everybody can kind of sit and wait. And also, I do think that the the chance is wait till the summer. Like more teams could decide they want to offer you the Godfather offer, right? I don't think the situation where less teams like, you know what? We're good. We actually don't want one. So like, I think the more time you take more time, you know, you, you give it a season and, and you, you, you say to the teams, all right, you know, we're talking with him now, but we'll still take offers. That gives teams more time to decide. All right. Are we all in on this? And if they are, that gives you more time to realistically negotiate back and forth and hammer out prices with multiple teams in a non-rushed fashion and pick the best package for you. So I don't think now is the right time to sell him because you have the window to do it in a few months time. We're in July now and we hit December and January and we hit winter meetings. Still have plenty of time to do the same exact thing we're talking about right now. And I mean, I think the biggest thing about Soto is it's not all about money. I know everyone thinks it's all about money and how much money he was offered. But if you pop out a calculator and take that figure divided by 15 years is what they're offering him. It's not as much money as you think it is. And it's right. not only that Juan Soto wants to be on a team that's going to win. He doesn't want to be uh, playing on the Pittsburgh Pirates or something similar to that. 
All right. So after the break here, I am going to continue to talk with Josh Neighbors. And we'll talk a little bit about the Capitals after the break. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top-line online resource for all your sports wagering information. From live in-game betting scores and podcasts, they have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, welcome back to this special DC crossover edition of Locked On Capitals and Locked On Nationals. So the Washington Capitals have been uh, had a busy offseason. Uh, what are your questions for me? So, Dan, are we keeping the core together, right? Are we getting the band back together for what it feels like one more year for a third or fourth time? <laughs> Well, I mean, that's that's the what we're trying to do here. I mean, the big outlier here is uh, Nick Backstrom, who had that hip resurfacing procedure mm-hmm. done. And, uh, you know, I got to say, honestly, that the outlook for that is not too great. If you look at the success rate, it's rather low. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed that this surgeon uh, that did this knows something a little bit more than the previous surgeons that did these other procedures. And hopefully we can get Backstrom back. But uh, Brian McClellan, GM of the Washington Capitals, was very busy on free agency, kind of uh, solidifying these different spots throughout the team. Uh, Connor Brown, top line right wing, will be uh, ostensibly filling the spot of uh, Tom Wilson. Um, And then he picked up Dylan Strom, who will uh, most likely be the um, second line center of the Capitals. Um, He also picked up, of course, Darcy Kemper. Uh, I mean, what more can you ask for than picking up a guy like Kemper who won the Stanley Cup this last year and Charlie Lindgren? Um, So I think that this Capitals team is stocked and uh, I think they're ready to make a really good push this year. And uh, I think that Mac has really has it lined up. He picked up a lot of depth players, that kind of thing. So even if the injury bug hits, even if COVID has a flare up, I think that uh, the Caps will be ready. What about goalie? This this is what everybody really cares about, right? What is going to happen at Netminder? I mean, obviously, this year, you know, what we saw uh, this season was, you know, Vanacek left, Samsonov is gone. So what what is the next step for the Washington Capitals in replenishing the Netminder position, which really has been absent since Braden Holtby left? Yeah, so the biggest acquisition was Darcy Kemper. Uh, They picked him up on day one of free agency. Uh, Kemper ultimately signed with the Capitals for five years, $5.25 million per season. And kind of an interesting perspective on that is that Darcy Kemper, for all uh, purposes, will be the netminder of record throughout the duration of the Alex Ovechkin era for the Capitals. Uh, Kemper went 37-12-4 with a .921 save percentage and a 2.54 goals against. He then posted a 10-4 record and a .902 save percentage and route to the cup. And uh, I think that, you know, we're sitting pretty good. The Capitals then also went out and picked up Charlie Lindgren, who's a bit of more of an unproven commodity. He's spent a lot of time in the AHL. Um, but he is coming off a standout season. He said, saw him go 5-0-0 with a .958 save percentage and a 1.22 goals against with the St. Louis Blues. 
but then he also played really well for their AHL affiliate, uh, which was the Springfield Thunderbirds. So um, to your point, uh, Ilya Samsonov and Vitek Vanacek, an unproven commodity, suffices to say, um, they both moved on. Um, Vanacek went out to the Devils. Samsonov went to the Maple Leafs. Um, you know, and I wish nothing but the best for him. But I'm really uh, happy that the the moves that Mac made because he got a lot of grief, uh, grief last season for the you know kind of not addressing the situation. But uh, he really took care of it. I would say in this off season. So you know, I know there's some questions about Kemper and really how 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 important was he to the Cup run for the Abs, right? Because that offense was so good. So. You know, was he propped up by that? I mean, are there some there's some realistic, you know, worries about that? What are your thoughts on uh, Kemper and, and his run during that Stanley Cup run? You know, that's a really interesting point you bring up there because, you know, it, you had the Colorado Avalanche in front of him, which are all elite. So, of course, you know, it was probably a little <laughs> bit easier on Darcy Kemper. If you want to take a look at a good comparable, look at Braden Holpe, 2018, won the Stanley Cup and then moved on to the Vancouver Canucks. And let's say had an off season. Um, you could say that the Canucks defense was not nearly as good as the Capitals at that point. Uh, he since moved on to the Stars and I think, you know, is now considering retirement. But in any event, I think that um, Darcy Kemper will still play well. Um, you know, if you take a look at him historically, he's played really solid. Um, you know, and he's been a backup goalie for a lion's share of his career. So there's not a lot of, um, miles on the odometer, if you will. So I think that, uh, you know, he's kind of a proven commodity. He's played on different teams that uh, he's played on the wild and the, and the coyotes and around, but I think that he's found his home, uh, with the Washington capitals. And, uh, I have an optimistic look for this capitals team headed into the fall. And and how long do you think the window is real realistically? I mean, I mean, is this is this it this year? This is the last real push. You think they get one or two more years in there? So kind of the the school of thought out there is that they are going to give you know Brian McClellan one more year to prove himself, and it's already been talked about. I was reading an article on the Athletic. That the Capitals, even though all the moves that they made are already getting panned as being one of the teams that's going to make another first round exit. Uh, they also talked about one of the teams that's most likely going to fire their head coach the earliest in the season. So I think that there's going to be a lot of proving people wrong for this Capitals team. Um, and, and that's what it's all about. How long can they keep this core together? How long is this window going to be open? I think a lot hinges on this season. I think that, you know, Max swung for the fences and he picked up these big players, um, kind of plugged all the holes in the lineup. So if this doesn't work, I think that you will see a, a big changes, not only just with the players, but uh, all together, I would say with it, starting with the GM and, and working all the way down. But um, I, I don't want to really think about that right now. I think that uh, Matt kind of put him in a good position to win. And uh, I ultimately think that, you know, uh, we have Ovechkin here for the next several years here. And uh, I think that ultimately what Mac wanted to do is he wanted to build kind of a cocoon or a shell around him by picking up these top-notch players, uh, most notably uh, Darcy Kemper in that. All right. That's what I got yep. for you. All right. Sounds good. So after the break here, we are going to continue to talk about Nationals and Capitals. What is the outlook for the national season and what can we look forward to for the Capitals season ahead? We'll talk about that next. 
All right, welcome back to this special DC crossover edition of Locked On Capitals and Locked On Nationals. I'm Dan Homie of Locked On Capitals. So the big thing is it's the offseason for the Capitals. So the team that has the most on the line, or I guess they kind of have the most on the line, is the uh, is the Nationals. They're actively playing right now. Um, so we talked about Soto. Um, let's talk a little bit about Josh Bell. What is the latest on Josh Bell? Um, you know, I'm talking about, I, I like watching him play. He's got a lot of pop in his bat. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be disappointed if they moved on from Josh Bell. I understand why they have to do these things to try to get other players and plan for the future. But uh, I think that he would serve as a good mentor for some of these uh, younger players on the team. What are your thoughts? Uh, he's he's as good as gone. I mean, it's about as close as you can get to guaranteed to be gone. It's sad and it's upsetting because I agree with you. He's a really good guy. But he likes Josh Bell. You know, he's got the kind of got the, the fan base behind him, everything. But he, he's just he's been he's honestly played too well to stay. And 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 that's a great thing for him. You know, I'm glad for a guy in a contract year to play as well as he has. But Josh Bell has been terrific this year. And he's you know, he's got one of the he's top five in batting average in the NL and, and he's you know really productive player driving and runs. So yeah, it's it's time for him to move on, obviously. And Hopefully they can recoup some good assets when they do trade him. But Josh Bell is, is going to be on the way out for the Nats. So, I mean, that's that's what I'm talking about on this Nationals team is we're talking about, you know, the possibility of Soto leaving. We're talking about the possibility uh, of, of Bell leaving here. What is going to be the identity of this team? Um, I think that, you know, there's a little bit of buyer's remorse, or I, I would have buyer's remorse, you know, giving Strasburg that big deal, a guy that kind of always has had the yeah. injury bug. Um, where does this team go from here? I mean, I know that you could take a look at the Orioles, uh, who have kind of uh, struggled the last several seasons but are playing a bit better this year. You can take a look at the Mariners, who kind of are perennially uh, losers uh, up in, as of late. Is it all doom and gloom, or is there a positive outlook for this Nationals team, let's say, one or two years from now? Uh, it, it might be a little more than one or two years, just because I mean, if they traded Soto especially, all the guys are going to be so young. There's going to be so many young players, um, which is okay. But, but the, you know, this thing right now, I mean, you know, they, they might gut this thing first. It, it might get – not going to say it's going to get worse, but it might stay the same before it gets much better. Yeah, the positive thing is capitals. Uh, capital season starts in October. I think it's maybe the most positive thing you can say for for Nat. Right, only th- three more months away until we're at the uh, NHL begins. But you know, and two months away until we have NFL. So may I think maybe Nats fans, if you're a fan of DC sports teams, uh, you're starting to look towards you know the other seasons. And I think the one time where you can kind of get excited and get, you know whatever whatever these guys might end up being. September call-ups. That, that's usually a big time when you see guys who you know get called up to the big leagues who you know haven't been up there yet. And I think Cade Cavalli is a guy you'll see get called up, and maybe call up a Donovan Casey as well, Cole Henry. Who knows? We'll see. And maybe some of the guys that get in the trade. Who knows? Maybe those guys will be called up too. So I think that's a possibility. Um, that that'll be something that's exciting. But look, these these things are normally processes. They take a long time, and they're very difficult to manage. But if you play your cards right, like teams, uh, you know, I'll give you an example. Like the Astros did, and have a long, long, and, and and like the Nats did. The first, I mean, you know, the thing is, Dan, like they won the title in nineteen. But the thing is, it, it fell apart so fast. I mean, they had a really good run through the the, the odds. They had a really nice run there, winning division titles often. 
you know, from 2012 to 2019 and won the World Series. And just they just won a title at the end of their window. So the Nats can they've shown they can build, you know, from within and make the right agency choices when they have to. So, you know, it's all about rebuilding, getting to that point again. And maybe hopefully they win one or more than one in their window next time they get a window. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that uh, what are your thoughts on Rizzo and, and Martinez? If if it's another, I mean, obviously they I get one more they, year. They got yeah. re-upped for one more year. It seems right. to be. And, and, you know, ultimately I don't blame, I don't blame Martinez. Right. I, I, I don't think that he could have done anything. I mean, you do, you work with the cards that you're dealt and uh, ultimately th- I think he did a good job. As far as the capitals are concerned, you know, like we talked about in the previous segment, I'm hopeful for them. I think that they, you know, they might be looking at, you know, something to like what the Washington Nationals are doing, where it's going to be a rebuild at some point. Um, I hope it goes a little bit better for them than that. All right. So once again, thank you for joining me on this edition of Locked On Capitals and Locked On Nationals. Thank you for making Locked On Capitals your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On NHL. Locked On experts give you a daily uh, 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all season long. Stay up to date on everything in the world of hockey. Locked On NHL, your daily 30-minute podcast. So once again, Josh, thank you for joining me on this edition of Locked On Capitals. And just to close out the show, where can we find your show and uh, where can we find you on social media? You guys can find the show wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube as well. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore and you guys can find the show on YouTube as well. All right, Josh, thank you for joining me and uh, I hope to talk to you again soon. Yep. Anytime, Dan. Thank you.